Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Going to the library on Scribble. Welcome to Scribble, 30 minutes of conversation, comments, and reviews on reading and writing, editing, publishing, and selling books. I'm Rebecca Wee. And I'm Don Wooten. Stella Herzig is a reference librarian at St. Ambrose University, and our special guest today on Scribble. Stella, whatever made you decide to be a librarian? <laughs> I mean, you could have been, uh, you know, a computer whiz or uh, an athlete. <laughs> well, um, thanks for having me on. Um, I have always been a reader and an early reader. Um, I'm a first-generation college student, mm -hmm. and... It seemed to me that I always just wanted to be around books. <laughs> so at first I thought maybe a publishing career, you know, an editor or yep. whatever. And I, I was an English major in college. And then um, my husband-to-be at the time said, but libraries are full of books. <laughs> so I could be helping to make books or I could be around books. And to me, the library is a magical place. Yeah. So I thought to get to go to work every day where uh -huh. I'd like to be, uh -huh. that was my first kind of inspiration. And then when I went to library school, I saw that actually it's all about access to information for everyone. And that also pleased me. Mm -hmm. So I liked that. You say to library school, where was that? <laughs> I received a full scholarship and uh, ride to Kent State University okay. in Ohio. Yeah. Um, partly due to I was the first woman in both sides of my family to go to college, and I am the first and only uh, first person to get a master's degree okay. in library science, um, but a master's degree at all. Yeah. Um, both my parents did not graduate high school and thought that women should stay at home. Mm -hmm. um, but my brother, who was nine years older than me, had gone to college, and he encouraged me. Oh, that's wonderful. So. Yeah, that's, you know, it's amazing. When I think back to my parents, my dad left school in about the sixth grade mm -hmm. and went to work. Yeah. Went yes. to oh, work yeah. for himself. <clears throat> and mom, I don't think, finished high school. Or if she did, that was it. Yeah. <clears throat> so higher education was not something we thought about. It's true in my family, too. My mother grew up on a ranch in South Dakota, and they worked. You know, they, they worked the farm and the land, and she loved to read, too, but she got in trouble when she was reading because she was wasting time. You know, <laughs> they should have been doing something helpful. And oh, 
My so. mother, your nose is always in a book. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, my mother as well grew up in an orphanage in New York and oh went to work at 16 in New York City at Stearns selling gloves in the 40s. Wow. And, um, but she always had a book. She brought us books. We went to the library all the time. She just thought books were great. Oh. Not, not thinking of career sure. possibilities, but just that's how you enriched your life. Well, you got your master's degree, then where did you go to work? My first library job, uh, after I I graduated Kent State, I moved from Ohio, got married, and moved to Santa Barbara, California within about a week. Oh my, that's huge. <laughs> so, Quite the change of everything. Big change. Um, and my first job was at the Santa Barbara Public Library. Um, a really wonderful place. Yeah. What did you do there? It's a, you know, you're, you're a reference librarian. How many different yes. kinds of librarians <laughs> are there? There are a lot of different kinds. Um, a lot of people think librarians are all introverts, but we're not. Um, the extroverts tend to go into the public side, reference work, mm-hmm. being out with the public, interacting with people. But there are also librarians who catalog the books, who... Um, you know, create the order in which we can access all that information, and they kind of stay behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are programming librarians who who come up with programs for kids, children's librarians. Um, so I always like I'm a, I'm a, more of an extrovert, so I like being with people, mm-hmm. and to me, I I like that idea of reference where I can help people find things. And one of the things I loved about libraries, uh, as an aside, was that it was not an exchange of money. Oh, yeah. It was a place where you didn't have to have money to go in, nor to get a book or information. And I could provide that without having to accept money. I, I wasn't yeah. I didn't like retail and all that kind of like money sure. ambitious for money kind of stuff. And I I liked that it seemed an exchange, an ancient exchange of knowledge. Yeah. That's you know, that reminds me of uh, another thing too, that my father was disappointed that I was absolutely not interested in anything to do with business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, but I thought, well, that's that's the way it is. Yeah. Yes. Well, I love that phrase you just used, the ancient exchange of knowledge. You know, it's it's really beautiful and accurate, you know. Well, but, librarianship has been around for 4,000, over 4,000 years. Yeah. So, um, you yeah, know, well, we've been good. around a while. Well, that makes it the third oldest profession mm-hmm. then, I guess. <laughs> let me ask you um, about reference librarians. I remember reference librarians being at their station, and you'd go up and you'd ask, and they'd direct you and so on. But in this technological age, when everybody is leaning on an iPhone or computer, how has that affected your job? Well, we still do get in-person um, exchanges at the univer- at St. Ambrose University. Students will come up to the desk. We do man a desk. Mm-hmm. We like to be there for people. They don't have to look for us. We're right there. And that is actually we're bucking the trend a little bit in that 
way to have a person always there. But we do a lot of email uh, reference. We do um, what we call Mozio chats, <laughs> where you on their phone, students could just chat with us. And we'll say, um, oh, hey, you know, this database would be good for you, and here are some keywords to use. Um, So by phone, uh, we'll work with a distance student. I've done WebEx workshops. Yeah, nice. Um, So, yeah, we're we're not only behind the desk uh, for in-person, but we'll go over any kind of technology that you can think of to provide that information. Do you have some kind of program with first-year students where they're required to go learn their way around yes. the library? Yeah. Um, St. Ambrose has a one-credit at the present moment, and for the last almost 20 years, a one-credit course called Information Literacy. Okay. Librarians teach it. Um, we teach some basic uh, research skills, like how to construct a search string mm-hmm. that will make the databases produce the article result list that you would like. Um, And I was there, I've been at St. Ambrose for 29 years, Uh and I was there at the beginning of that class and helping to create the curriculum. And we've come a long way. I mean, right now I'm offering my my own students, uh, they, in my class, they produce a podcast and it gets played on the radio of how they need to gather, they haven't. Uh, issue of interest to them, and they gather some uh, evidence for their own opinions about it. So I'm, I'm, and and they all take part each. So there's different groups of students, and they they have to create a script and a web page of sources, and they have to figure out how to present some information that's Mm -hmm. evidence based in a five to ten minute uh, conversation. So oh, that's how cool. I've kind of innovated, just going away from just writing yeah, yeah. down and, you know. We you know you think of a librarian <clears throat> uh, just handling books but not teaching a class. <laughs> so is that something you do every year or do you circulate? Uh, I teach two classes per semester. It's part of my job <laughs> description. Mm-hmm. Um, librarianship has moved a lot more into instruction in the academic yeah. arena. And I love that you are a, a physical presence for them too, because we've—it seems to me that's come around a little bit at Augustana. It's felt like for a while, you know, why go to the library? We can just look it up on the computer. But our library is pretty full of students too, and and we also have reference librarians sort of there to ask questions of and that seems so important oh yeah and I think especially with the pandemic students mm-hmm. are um, hungry for a personal yeah. exchange yeah um, not just over a screen well yeah. you, you sure hope so because you watch people seem to be have a iPhones physically attached to their hands <laughs> and uh, yeah. they seem to communicate with each other through the phone rather than face-to-face, which is a disaster. (laughs) I mean, that is an absolute disaster. If you don't learn to interact with other people, you're going to have a strange life. Well, that is one of the reasons I've gone to this podcast um, uh, project, because it it 
makes the students sit together in a small mm-hmm. study room and talk to each other. Yeah. And I've had some groups do um, those issues, ghosting, te- ghosting by text was yeah. one yeah. <laughs> issue they covered. And does screens, uh, do screens harm friendships? So they, they are thinking about it too, even those people attached to their phones. Yeah. I think that will come around. I mean, we are more aware of the harm that it can do, I think. And even the students, when I teach creative writing and I'll have them for one day, you know, try not to access their phone and go write. And they they <laughs> recognize quickly how hard that is and what a problem that might be, you know. You know they, to me, the most one of the most horrible scenes I've seen is four people sitting at a table in a restaurant, all on their not phones. talking, <laughs> all working on their phones. Yeah. And, and yet, we have more access to more information than ever before. Yeah. So it's a librarian's heart. Uh, there is a lot more access. Yeah. Um, marginalized groups have more access. It, there's yeah. a lot. There was a lot of gatekeeping done in the old days. Um, so there are real benefits to that. Anybody with a phone can access information. Now, is it good information? Yeah. I yeah. find <laughs> that that's a, a new area that I've been focusing on more with students is dealing with misinformation and sure. disinformation and learning to recognize propaganda techniques, mm-hmm. yep. which are very prominent. Yeah, that's, you know, not all information is good information. Are they receptive to that? They are. Yeah. They want good information. Of course. Yep. Uh, There's also another thing, too, that used to bug me. Uh, A friend of mine, something would come up in a conversation, and I would say something like, I wonder what, and right away on the phone, Uh I said, don't look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, Let's talk a little about this. I remember the first time we have, we have a family cabin up in northern Minnesota and the phone was kind of new. I guess my husband had his and I wasn't interested in in it. My parents certainly weren't, but we had a conversation like that and he pulled his phone out and had the answer and we all just kind of went, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, you can get an answer to something that fast. And That's pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty, it was a revelation. I do have a button I wear at work that, that just says, look it up. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, and it's important, the experiences you bring to when you look something up are important. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, often um, marginalized groups will, by bringing their own experiences, uh, discover research gaps. Yeah. Of course. Um, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it's great you can look it up yeah. on your phone. <laughs> well, get, look it up on your phone, but then all all through my life, I've piled up these books to keep <laughs> so I can go can back look. to them. And I realize now, that, you know, I and I, I have this terrible thing about books. I don't want to deface a book. I don't want to underline anything mm-hmm. or mark it in any way. I have an almost reverential attitude toward books. So I know it's in that book somewhere, and I uh, think I remember. Yeah. But 
I could just go to the computer and bingo, there it is. And I think, why do I have all these books? Simply because I love books. Yes, and books as objects are still important to students. Um, One of my podcast groups talked about print versus screen, Mm -hmm. and the one young gentleman said, I love the smell of books. And I thought, ah, hope for you. Good, yes, exactly. Um, And students do like to use print. They, You do. There is research done that shows that when you engage with information on a printed page, you tend to retain it better. Yes. So, but I see that students use print for some things and screen for the others. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more nuanced than just this verse is that students still like books. They still want books. Yeah. Well, the thing is, yep. when you look up a fact or a factoid on uh, your phone or the computer, that's what you get, just that. Mm-hmm. But in a book, that fact is surrounded by verbiage that leads you into how this came about, what exceptions there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is simply true like a bumper sticker. I mean, there's more to it than just Mm -hmm. a sentence or a phrase. Yes, and that is true with students to be able to follow a long, complex argument. Yes, yep, exactly. That that skill is a little in danger. Exactly. Um, Which is one of the reasons I have each podcast group recommend a book in the library, Mm. and they have to say why. And I often encourage them to say, because there's greater historical context, there's longer arguments, there's yeah. different... There's music in the lines of some some yeah. writing that, you know, you, unless you take a oh, little yeah. time with it. So I, I put that little stealth uh, bid for the library uh-huh. in every uh, assignment. Good for you. <laughs> I can be stopped cold by a beautiful sentence. Oh, yeah. I, know. I look at that and I think, why can't I do that? Why <laughs> yeah. can't I do that? It's uh, it, that's the the joy of reading, and yet I will confess, as I've gotten older and have surrounded myself with books, I probably read fewer books now than I ever have. Mm. Uh, I I go through magazines, a horde of magazines, paging through to see if there's something there that I should know about or something that looks interesting, but uh, to sit down and do some deep reading. I recently read a couple of books that, uh, you know, were very satisfying. They gave me a complete, rounded view of a subject. I'm a great nonfiction reader, mm-hmm. and not much on novels. But, uh, yeah, I, but I, I, the pace of reading has slowed for me. Mm-hmm. And I, that bothers me because I used to just devour books. But my diet has changed, I guess. Well, it all, I don't know. We just go through different stages, I suppose. My parents, too. They've always been surrounded by books. And my dad commented, he was a college professor, and he commented recently, just said, takes me so long, and they can't remember if I just read that chapter or not. And so that, you know, it's... What What about special collections? Uh, I hear that uh, I, when I looked at Ambrose, they had a couple of special collections. I think one was Irish. The other was something on space. How do you get special collections? I mean, do you go looking for them or do they just well, happen? I mean, our, our 
archive room and special collection room is focused on St. Ambrose history. Hmm. Um, but then we have, uh, we, we may have a donor. Um, we had a, a gentleman named Mr. Walsh who uh, wanted an Irish collection. So we had book plates made, and he donated money to purchase books by and about Ireland and Irish American mm. experience. And so we do have that as a, I guess it's a special collection, but it's it's throughout the stacks of the library. It's not mm. shelved together as a sure as what we would think of as a collection, even though we it's spread through the stacks, but you if you open a book and see that book plate, you know that that's part of a sure. collection. Yeah, that surprises me. I always assumed a special collection would be in a cubbyhole somewhere. And uh, Now remember, know. access. We yeah. want access to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the uh, a few years ago, a student at Augie, uh, on a ton of cliff, had a project of putting together a special collection. So she took all the stuff we had on the Genesius Guild. Oh. And it's uh-huh. in a special collection. I don't know if that's what they call it, but I know it's uh, it's all at Augustana. How and far I, back? Yeah. How far back does it go, do you know? Like from the beginning. Well, but I'm thinking Augustana special collections is one of those um Temperature controlled. You can't yes. go in there. You know, if you're going to touch certain things, someone has to bring them out to you, and you have to wear gloves. And you know, it's it's. Well, that's the thing. I'm I'm trying to put together a, a little book, and I think I know there are pictures, and I do believe I'm to put them all in Augustana. Hmm. So I'm going to have to one day go to the library and check to see make an appointment because they're not always there. But oh, it is yeah. you know it's a it feels. Precious and important. It's important and, you know, to history going... to keep those things. Yeah, and we is. need to think about what are we keeping now when there aren't pictures and physical objects and right. scrapbooks that people make. How do we keep the history of today? It's all it's photos are stored in people's phones. Yeah. The electricity goes out. We don't have them. You know? yeah, yeah. And so archivists have been trying to innovate and be able to keep digital objects in their servers that will serve the history of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still encourage students to give us, uh, send us photos. Sometimes we print them out yeah, because we think the print one will last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, and then the technology changes. So you have to keep switching exactly. the digital objects to the new containers, the mm-hmm. servers or the flash drives or the, yeah. And can you play the CD anymore in 100 years? Right. So how do you store the CD? You have to transfer it to MP3, and will MP3 yeah. be a thing in the future? Yeah. It's difficult for archivists looking ahead. Sure. Yeah, the paper is the only safe thing. To, uh, paper lasts forever, and uh, you should keep things on paper. I'm, I remember how aghast I was. The first time I heard that libraries were getting rid of books, I thought, what? <laughs> you can't do that. But then they said, well, new books keep coming in, and there's only so much space. Yeah. I thought, yes. wait a minute. 
Mm-hmm. This changes my whole idea of yes. library. Yeah. yeah, and different libraries will focus on different things. And there is, um, even among the libraries in Iowa, college libraries, um, we're hoping to keep certain books. Only one library has to keep. Mm. So we can weed other areas as long as some library in yes. Iowa has that subject going back so that our shelves can maintain a freshness and a usefulness to our populations. Yeah. Well, you know, there, I forget the number. Tweet used to throw this at me all the time. But, and, and uh, incredible, almost obscenely incredible number of books are published every year. Oh, yeah. And I think, who's going to read all that? <laughs> but that's such a good thing, that it's we keep caring and, and publishing. And, and yeah. different areas and different schools have different focus, and so we don't all have the same focus. So those books that are published may not enter every library, but they'll enter the library in which the people there can use. Yeah. And there are consortia, right? Consortias are wonderful. Can... Yeah. I remember once I asked the local library for a book, and they said, we don't have it. I said, where can I, you know, I, I want to see this book. And they said, well, let me check. And they checked with the local libraries. No, it's not in town. Uh, but I think we can get it at the state library. Mm-hmm. And a few days later, the book yeah. was in my hands. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yep. So somewhere, somewhere that book I want persists. Yeah, exactly. And that it's the internet, and it's you know all those screens that are helping us find where something where is those and are. how to get it to. Yes, yeah. interlibrary loan, and that's why public libraries are so important. And I hope Iowa continues to fund their public libraries because that's where someone who can't afford to get behind the paywalls on the Mm -hmm. internet Mm -hmm. can go and look at a magazine or a journal or get a book that doesn't cost. There's an increasing reluctance on the part of some very conservative states to cut back on what they're investing in public, public usage, Mm -hmm. which is appalling, I think. But, uh, you know, the world changes and it changes at an accelerating rate. Yeah. Yes. But you'd like to hold on to things like libraries mm-hmm. because they seem to be fundamental. Yes, and uh, the folks who like to ban books are never usually the good guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yep. Although there's some some books. I remember reading a book once, and when I finished, I felt like throwing it away. <laughs> I was so outraged. It was a novel. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it was Gone Girl or something like mm. that. It was, the ending was just so, oh, no, no, this can't be. <laughs> <laughs> but someone else enjoys it. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. And well, the... And the... It seemed to um, stir up some passion in you, you know. (laughs) Well, you know, it didn't come to, I think we're accustomed to, if not a happy ending, at least an ending that sort of makes sense in society. And this one was just, you think, no, no, this can't be. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it's important to be different. But... uh, You've been at this 29 years. Are you thinking about retirement ever? 
Well, I still enjoy what I do. And as long as um, the university, you know, values my input, I'll, I'll stay. Um, I mean, I'm approaching retirement age, but I take it year by year. Mm-hmm. I still love what I do yep. very much. Yeah, I blew past my retirement year <laughs> decades ago. <laughs> but it's good to keep going. Do you still read books? Very many. I usually have two or three going. I read nonfiction. Um, right now I'm reading The Dinosaur Project by Wayne Grady, a mm. very famous Canadian um, paleontologist. It's very interesting about his dinosaur digs. Yeah, well, Canada's a good source for that. Yeah, and also I love to read uh, Murder Mysteries. Oh, yeah. Well, um, that that's a weakness that many of us have. Yes, I could read many, <laughs> many of those. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and, you know, you love to run into one that's a series that's really good. Well, Stella, we've uh, certainly enjoyed visiting with you today and always happy to have news about libraries. Oh, yes. thank you so much. Yes. Thank you very much. Well, keep you, reading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. J- just keep at it. And we'll keep on doing this silly program, too. I'm Don Wooten with Rebecca Wee. Thank you for your company. We'll be looking for you next week on the next edition of Scribble.